Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. May anybody be happy in here to be alive in 2019? Man, I love the idea of that song. I will build my life. It's kind of an indicator of this church. In this church, this preaching, my preaching, it's not to beat you up, but rather to build you up. We want you to leave stronger, not broken down. Man, because you know it's bad enough out there. In this space, we believe you're going to find life, you're going to find fulfillment, and you're going to leave here different than you came in. Do you believe it, church? Man, and I can't wait. I'm so excited to preach. And my dad is, and my mom are in New Braunfels, Texas, right outside of San Antonio. And he's San Antonio fans. And there they are right now. Dad just texted me at my grandfather's church. My grandfather, who pastors a Spanish-speaking church off I-35, just a few blocks down from the snake farm. And their grandpa right now is probably preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in, in Spanish at 85 years old. Can we honor my grandfather? He's gone through season after season, and, and, uh, and I'm graced right now to be not a first, not a second, but as far as I know, a third generation preacher on both sides, and three is the number of divine perfection, in case you're wondering, just kidding. That's what my mom would tell me. My dad would say, get over it, son. I'm excited to preach to you, and, and I'm going to read to you a scripture, but before I do, I'm going to help you help us both out, is uh, as I'm preaching, and I'm not sure what your personality is, but if I start preaching something good, and it's something that's relating to you, you're okay with saying, yeah, that's good, amen, all right, I'm going to give you some options, yeah, that's good, amen, Mmm. I've even heard it once in a different church. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Hey, what does that mean? Nobody knows what it means, but it gets everyone going. All right, here we go. Mm, that's good. Tell the truth. Amen. And maybe since my mom's Mexican, my dad's from Texas, you can say, preach it, Tex-Mex. Preach it, Tex-Mex. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to practice together real quick. And then you're going to give your response. All right, here we go. And I told the devil that you can take my house. You can take my car. You can take my kids. Oh, please take my kids. But you can't take my Jesus. I heard like eight people say preach at Tex-Mex. Somebody's hungry. I'm going to read to you out of Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, and out of the... ESV version, and it says this, for those who sow in his own flesh will reap corruption, but to the one who sows to the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. And here it is for every single person in here who walked in here weary, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap 
if we do not give up. Not you, we, which means we're in this together. You're not giving up. Here's what I'm telling you today. I'm going to give you a reason to keep going. You who are weary, you who are tired, you are wondering if it's worth it. You ain't going to give up today in Jesus' name. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for the power of your presence. And God, we expect you right now to be here among us and to do what only you can do. Touch hearts, change lives. We don't want to leave here the same way we came in. But it's all by the power of the magnificent, perfect name of Jesus. We pray. And everybody said? And everybody said? Amen. Touch the person next to you and tell them, it's going to be good today. Because you're sitting next to me. If you have your notes, you can take those out now and... And I want to share with you, the title of my message is Seasons and Significance. Seasons and Significance. There is a need that every single person has. Now, this isn't just a physical need, like water or shelter, food. This is a spiritual or emotional need. Did anybody know that we had spiritual and emotional needs? Okay, I saw all the women raise their hand. And Joe, thank you for your support, my friend. (laughs) We all have spiritual and emotional needs. And I'm going to talk to you today about one need, one need that's so specifically important that I think it affects every single one of us. This is one need that everybody has, whether you're a child or whether you're an adult or uh, whether you're on your deathbed. Everybody has this need. And, and here it is, and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. This is the need to be special, to be admired, to be noticed, to be different. This is the need of significance. 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 Write that down if you're taking notes. To be significance. Significance. Now, many years ago, I was homeschooled. Dang, everybody ooze. Man, why are you guys ooing? Man, I loved homeschool. Man, we were educated. We were educated way gooder than you think. Dang, criticals. Also, anybody raised homeschooled? Raise your hands in the air like you just do care. Now take a look around and you can see all the sheltered people in the room. Now, I was raised homeschooled, but that also means that I was sheltered. Very, 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 say it together, sheltered. And I was sheltered from a lot of things. In fact, I was sheltered from a whole lot of TV shows. Lizzie McGuire, Off Limits. Full House, Only With Dad. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, When Mom and Dad Went to Bed. Born and Raised on the Playground. Man, I was all about some Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but there was something that we were allowed to watch all of our life. And this is something that plays a significant role in the Woody family, especially the Woody boys. Many of you know it. Many of you can relate to it. 
It uh, takes place in a galaxy far, far away, and it's nothing known other than Star Wars. How many Star Wars fans do we have at City Life Church? Fantastic. My people. My people. I was homeschooled. I watched a lot of Star Wars so many times that I memorized the originals, the original trilogy, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Dang. Now, I love myself some Star Wars, and my brother and I, I'll take us back and zoom in, Kansas City, Missouri area. I was eight years old, and my brother Devin was four at the time. And one day I decided, while mother was taking a nap, and mother had entrusted me with the serenity of the home, being the oldest, and I said, hey, Dev, we just watched Star Wars. He said, yeah. I said, yeah. Let's play war. Let's play some battle. He said, all right, brother. So we went, and he got the lightsabers. And then we also went and got our robes, and we put them on. What kind of robes were they? They were mom and dad's bath robes. I know that's kind of weird, but we were Jedi Knights. We were ready. So there we were, and we were reenacting a fight. Something that happened with Luke Skywalker in the, in the carbon freezing chamber. And we were fighting on the stairs. So I was excited. We were having the best time of our life. And we would play and fight for hours. And, and I took my lightsaber. We were fighting. I'd, I would hit him from the top. Hit from the bottom. And then Devin would hit. And we're laughing and having such a good time. And then with all of a sudden, without a push or nudge from his older brother, <laughs> Pause. There are two accounts of what happened (laughs) this day. And since my brother is not here and I have the microphone, I'm going to tell you the true story. Without a push or a nudge from my brother, from myself, from his older brother, Devin loses his footing and he goes tumbling down the stairs. Little four-year-old Dev, boom, 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 and lands on his back, hits his head on the floor with his lightsaber still in hand. (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of impressed at that point, but at this moment, I realize who is entrusted with the serenity and the peace of the home, and what happens if my mother awakes? As you know, how many of you guys are oldest siblings? You're the oldest of the pack. Fantastic. You are my people as well. You guys know That if there is a serenity issue, if the peace is broken, it doesn't matter who the perpetrator is, you are the one under sin and condemnation. (laughs) And I knew it was coming. And so what I did is I looked at my brother and he looked back up at me and it was like as if in an instant, his face flushed with like red and and he closed his eyes like this and all of a sudden you heard the pre-cry gasps it sound you guys know this it goes like this i knew i had three gasps to think of what to do and this is what i did before gasp number three i said devin he said what i said do you realize what just happened he said No. I said, you just fell down the stairs with your lightsaber still in your hand. I said, do you have any idea what that means? No. No mere human could do that. 
You must be a Jedi Knight, Devin. Guardian of peace in the galaxy. He said, really, Bubba? I said, yeah. And without a beat missed, my brother, my Bubba, got back up. And instead of crying in pain, he jumped back up and kept fighting his brother on the steps. What's interesting is Devin got this new realization, although he was in pain, of this feeling of significance. He realized that, man, if I'm a Jedi Knight, that's what I want to be. I'm significant. And all of us in life, we have something that we numb our pain with that brings us significance. Maybe it's artificial significance, but significance is a human need. It's a human need for a child to be perceived as a princess or as a superhero or as a Jedi Knight, but it's a human need for an adult to feel the significance of a successful business, to feel the significance of a successful marriage, to feel the significance of having enough following so that people can perceive you as important. We all find our significance in, in different ways. And what's funny is, uh, Preston, we talk about this all the time. A lot of people find their significance in, in, in being organic. How many of you guys know some people who are, who are like their identity is organic food? I eat organic. I sleep organic. I chew organic. I wear organic. I'm like, golly, just organic over there. Proof. The other day, my wife and I, we were, where were we? We were going to Whole Foods. Now, we don't go to Whole Foods all the time, but we were going there to pick up a uh, Amazon Prime package in one of those lockers, which is crazy cool. So we go and pick it, and babe's like, hey, babe, we need some eggs. We need some eggs. It's like, all right, babe, let's get some eggs. So, so we went over to the egg section. <laughs> There we are in the egg section, and I'm like looking for eggs. And I say, all right, free range, organic, uh, um, orange yolk, um, brown yolk, yellow yolk. Uh, I'm, and babe, Dakota's like, babe, babe, just pick some eggs. Pick some eggs. They're right there. Pick some eggs. And I'm like, babe, I'm just trying to find some eggs that aren't $8.99. People will pay anything for significance. Significance. Many of us find significance in our following. Little do we realize oftentimes is that our significance is based on followers and algorithms. And if our significance is based on someone that can follow you, it can also be taken away by someone who can unfollow you. Significance. I'm talking about significance. And I'm going to ask you, the question, and we're going to discover how we can discover our own significance. But before I do, to think that we're out of the equation, I think this is something for every single person. And I'm going to share with you where I derive my significance from after a time of prayer and, and, uh, and reflection for this message. But many of us derive our significance in something we can achieve by being different, by having a different hairstyle, by being in a certain shape. And if we're out of shape, then uh, we're worthless some of us oftentimes derive our significance from a significant problem. If we can't feel significance for being successful, then we will find our significance in a significant problem. How do I know that? Jesus goes to a man who's asking for help, and, but Jesus 
son of the living God. He knows the heart of man. He goes to this man by the pool of Bethesda. And, and Jesus leans down to him, who's been sick, lame all his life, so much so that it's become his identity. And Jesus says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? The reason Jesus asked that question is Jesus wants to give this man an option because Jesus knows where his significance lies. He knows that his significance is placed in a significant problem, that if he is healed, then nobody else will be there to carry him around. Nobody else will be there to feed him. Nobody else will be, th- be there to take care of him. And, no- and he's going to have to get up and take care of himself. And Jesus knows him, and he's asking, do you want to be well? I want to heal you, but I know where your significance derives. Where's your significance? Because if it can be taken away from you by a person, it's not significance worth having. And I'm going to give you two questions to ask yourself. And you have your notes, write these down. This is so important. And figuring out where do I get my significance. Here's the first question. What am I most proud of? What are you most proud of? Number two, what are you afraid to lose? What are you most proud of? Oftentimes, the thing that we're most proud of, that we we post the most about, that we talk the most about, is the place in which we put our significance. And the second is, maybe I'm not sure what I'm most proud of, but, but there are things that I'm afraid to lose, that if I lost that, I would lose a little bit of myself. I want to help you identify, and I want myself and us as a church to identify, where do we place our significance? As Galatians says, do not grow weary in doing good. We will be weary when our significance and expectations don't match up. That's the weariness that you feel. And I asked God in preparation for this message, I said, God, where are Where am I placing my significance? Where do I find it? Where do I put my trust? Where is that? Where do I feel my worth at the the highest degree? Where am I striving? And it came immediately. God spoke to me and said, Preston, here it is. It's as easy as day. The approval of your father, the happiness of your wife, and the quality of your performance. And all of a sudden, I would... All I could do was write that down and reflect and think, wow, like, these are the sources of both my greatest pride and also greatest failure. Because if I'm not meeting these expectations, and if I don't feel significant in these areas, I feel like a failure. I feel like a loser. I feel like I've lost it. Where do you derive your significance? God told me to ask you that today. And I had to go down within myself and realize that my significance has been misplaced. And if I can't achieve what I want to achieve in this season, I start to sabotage. And God said, I want to tell you this, but I also want you to tell the church this on Sunday when you preach. Because there's a whole lot of people that have no cognizant awareness of where their significance is. And this is what, this is what he said. The source of your significance will determine the stability of your season. Mm. 
the source of your significance, which is where I pull my significance from, where my significance flows, determines the stability of this season. Where is your significance? I want to share with you a story, and this is a story of a young man probably raised in Jerusalem. If you, go, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Acts chapter 9. And, uh, and this is a young man in the days of Roman occupation in Jerusalem. And his name is Saul. Everybody say Saul. Say Saul, y'all. And Saul, y'all, Saul wanted to do what was right. And, and Saul was a, the type of kid who kind of had everything together. He, he lived his life under a microscope because likely his father was a Pharisee. His parents were people of high repute. And Saul, growing up in Jerusalem, likely looked to his father and thought, what would life be like when I finally get to become a Pharisee? And I get to defend the traditions of my father and of my ancestors and of my grandfather. One day when Saul was later in, later in his life, he began to hear about this, this cult, almost rebellion, called the Way. This was springing up and many of the Pharisees and religious leaders were getting together. They were scrambling and they were talking and discussing. That because this, this movement of, of the Way, the, this teacher is Shaking up everything the religious leaders had set in motion. Since the days of Moses. I mean, these are the traditions of Moses. Saul, in, in, in frustration, he began to act out and began to join with those who were against the followers of the way. After the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, it didn't get any better. In fact, it, and to some extent, it got worse. And there was this young man by the name of Stephen, probably a teenager, the youngest of the apostles. He was, he was out preaching. and He was arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus, this follower of the way. He was arrested and he was questioned openly. And we don't know exactly what happened in this moment and in this scene, but what we do know is Saul was seen holding the cloaks of those who were stoning this young man to death. Why? Saul had tradition to defend. Saul had a belief that he grew up for and was to die for. Saul, what's interesting, as he was stoning a young man, was doing what he perceived to be right. And we find Saul in Acts chapter 9. Say, Saul, y'all. Meanwhile, Saul, y'all, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul. Can you imagine this moment? Can you imagine the divinity, the sound of this voice? Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? What's interesting is in that moment, Saul knew who he was speaking to. And we know that because he said, who are you? didn't say, who are you, voice? He didn't say, who are you, spirit? He said, who are you, Lord? 
I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. And he replied, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the man traveling with Saul, they stood there speechless, and they heard the sound, but didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. And he was led then by the hand into Damascus. Saul has this encounter, and he realizes in this moment, this is so tense, among all of his companions, and in the prime of his career, he realizes that the very God he thought he was serving, he was persecuting. And I can't imagine what Saul was thinking and feeling in that moment. Saul lays there, he's picked up, and he opens his eyes. He can see nothing. But Saul, he's obviously driven by significance, significance to uphold the law, to defend his God. But now it turns out that that significance source is leveled. And what does he have? Can you imagine the depression? Can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine, even with such an extreme personality, potentially even the suicidal thoughts that Saul might have felt in this moment? I ask you this question. Saul was led by the hand of Damascus, and he was blind. Scripture says he opened his eyes, but he could see nothing. There have been times in my life and times in your life where you could open your eyes, but you could see nothing. You, could, you couldn't see how this season was going to work. You couldn't see how you were going to get to where you were supposed to be, and Saul's in that same place. And I imagine, and I think, like, man, I, I wonder what would happen if, if I could meet Saul in Damascus. So he was led there, blind Saul, Saul, y'all, and take him by the hand and say, hey, Saul, I know you can't see me. I know that in this season you're blind, but in a few days your eyes are going to be healed. Hey, Saul, I know that you feel like you've undone your entire life, but guess what? Little do you know that you're going to preach and plant churches all across this world. Saul, little do you know that thousands of years later, many, 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 many thousands of people will be telling your story. Saul, Saul, I want to ask you the question before I give you this statement. If you can look back 10 years from now, 10 years from now, look back 10 years from now. And if you could tell yourself, you who were eyes open but blind, one thing, what would it be? I know what I would tell myself. I know what I would tell Paul. And I know what I would tell you in this moment. There is significance in your season. There is significance in your season. Amen. There's significance in your season. I don't know where you are, but God does. I know you don't see the end, but scripture says he sees the end from the beginning. There is significance in your season. Now, those of you who are serving in this church, serve team, I, I see you all across this room, and I, and I know your stories. You who worked so hard to see this ministry flourish and come alive. There's significance in your serving. Just this last Sunday, there were 
over a dozen people who lifted their hand to give their life to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. You have no idea how much that smile matters, how much that hug, how much your attention and your eye contact and your affirmation matters. There's significance in this season. Mother who's frustrated about your kids going crazy, here's what I'm here to tell you. There's significance in your season. You have no idea how in that moment when your child has no one else to go to, they will remember who was there for them all along. There was significance in that season. Even though you thought you failed as a parent, you didn't. It was just the season. You who is a dreamer. I know many people in here have an incredible call of God on their life to do great things, to preach the word of God, to lead companies, and to build things that many have never seemed or uh, seen or dreamed up before. You dreamer, I know that you feel like you're getting overlooked. I know that you're frustrated, and I know that you see other people going ahead of you. But there is significance in your season. The pain that you feel, you're going to need it to be able to empathize with the pain of somebody else in your future. There's significance in your season, in Jesus' name. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Now, I remember growing up, uh, living in northern Missouri, uh, I love spring, but the thing is, man, my people, I wasn't a fan of the cold. I did not like the cold. Anybody just, ah, I don't like being cold. I'm not a fan of being cold. Okay, a few of you. But I'll, and I'll tell you, it was winter season in Kansas City, Missouri area, and I did not like getting up for school because it was so cold. It was my first season of winter in in Missouri, and I remember one morning, my dad came and woke me up. He's like, son, he's like, wake up, wake up. I said, what is it, dad? What? No, get away. What? What, dad? He said, son, it's really cold outside. I said, I know, so go away, dad. I don't like cold. It's real cold outside, son. And uh, there's also a lot of ice. I was like, I don't care, but I don't like ice. I hate ice. I slipped on it and broke my nose. I hate ice. True story, I did. It was crazy. First time I broke my nose, it was on ice. I don't like cold much at all. And, and, uh, and dad said, well, yeah, there's ice, but there's also snow. I said, snow? He said, yeah. I said, I know you don't like the season of cold, but guess what? That means school is canceled. All of a sudden, the sleep I thought I need went away. I jumped out of that bed, and I was like, let's go outside. Let's start a party. I don't need no sleep no more. It's a snow day. There is significance in your season. There are some things in your season that you're not going to know was a gift until you're on the other end of it. There's significance in your season. Weeping, sorrow, joy may last for a night, but guess what? The joy, it comes with the morning. There's significance in your season. Touch somebody next to you and tell them there's significance in your season. There's significance in your season. And uh, if we believe... If we believe it, now that's why I'm, I'm having you say it is because we got to believe it. That's a belief. Because if we believe that there's significance here, we're not going to put our, mis, our misplaced and put our significance elsewhere. And if we believe that there's significance in our season, then hell or high water can come and we can stay in the season. And here's what I'm going to encourage and tell you today. Now that you know that there's significance in your season, those of you who want to get out, want to change it, I'm here to encourage you to stay in this season. Stay in this season. Stay in this season. Here's why. You have no idea what you will miss if you jump out of it. Stay in the season. Stay in the season.
Man, you here today who's floundering on a relationship and on a marriage, I'm here, to, I'm here to tell you today to stay in the marriage, stay in the relationship, keep working that job. I know they don't appreciate you, but keep working it and shining the grace and the light of God. See how God will promote you if you stay in that season. In due time, you will reap. Stay in the season. I want to read to you a story and this was a story I found recently. It, it touched my heart, and, and I feel like I have to read it to you to get the full meaning of it across to you. It's called The Story of the Pear Tree. And there was a man who had four sons. He wanted his sons to learn not to judge things too quickly, so he sent them on a quest in turn to go look at a pear tree a great distance away. Now, the first son, he went in the winter. The second in the spring and the third in the summer and the youngest son in the fall. And when they had all gone and come back, he called them together to describe what they had seen. The first son said the tree was ugly, bent, twisted. The second son said, no, no, it wasn't. It was covered with green buds and full of promise. The third son, he disagreed. He said, yeah, it was laden with blossoms that smelled so sweet. It looked beautiful. And it was the most graceful thing I had ever seen. And the last son disagreed with all of them. He's the youngest, and he said, wow, this, that tree, it was ripe. In fact, it was literally dripping with fruit, full of life and fulfillment. And the father took a breath, and then he explained to his sons that they were all right because they had seen but only one season in the tree's life. He told them, that you cannot judge a tree or a person or yourself by only one season. The significance of who we are, the pleasure, the joy, and the love that come from life can only be measured at the end. When all the seasons are spent, if you give up when it's winter, then you will miss the promise of your spring, the beauty of your summer, and the fulfillment of your fall. There is significance in your season. And if you would stay in the season, you'll be able to see it one day. Maybe sooner than you think. And to stay in the season, Dad has helped me sometimes and most times. I want to be over here when I'm here and I want to derive my significance from things that I can no, no longer sustain or control and I learned this prayer and I'm going to share this prayer with you I'm going to, first I'm going to share it to you second I'm going to pray it over you and here it is in times of uncertainty and, and in seasons of weariness God will you grant me the serenity Will you grant me the serenity? What is serenity? It's like an overwhelming peace to accept the things I cannot change. Will you give me the courage, although, to change the things that I can and give me the wisdom to know the difference? Will you allow me to pray this over you? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace in this space. And we thank you that the prayers of the righteous are both powerful and effective. 
and for every man, woman, and child in this room, I pray that you would grant them with a serenity to accept things that cannot be changed. God, I pray that you would give somebody courage to change the things that they can. And God, would you grant wisdom to know the difference, a divine wisdom. And God, let us be a church that lives this prayer that is a change agent in our city, but can be at peace with the season that we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I close, I want to read to you a story. This is something personal that I wrote down just last night. And as I celebrated my birthday last week, it was the second year in a row, no card came in, the mail from my grandma Olga. Two years ago today, an unexpected news reached myself and my family that my grandmother did not have long to live. I'll never forget, after a trip, walking into that house alongside my brother and the other members of my family, as I walked in the front door, I was flooded with memories from childhood, riding a red tricycle on the sidewalk, playing the old piano in the living room, as grandma dishonestly praised in approval. (laughs) Walking down the stairs early in the morning to see grandma's smiling face in her office chair. And when I came to myself, I finally walked into the room and her face was thin. The air was thin as well. And, And as I walked out after interacting and joking with my grandmother, I sat down in the car and gave one last glance at the all too familiar house. The trip was far from over, but instinctively I knew that this was the last time I would ever see her. One or two tears streamed down my face as I looked away, but these tears weren't out of sorrow. It was a different kind of tears. It was the kind of tears that come when you understand that your life will never be the same. That a season that I thought would never end has ended. It was a good season, and my grandmother's race is now over. She is no longer in a season of pain, but she is now reaping. For her entire life, she never gave up. Stay in the season, my friend. Stay in the season. Stay in the season. Stay in the season. I know if my grandfather could see me today, he'd say, stay in the season. Stay in the season. There's more ahead of you than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. Stay in the season. Galatians 6, chapter 8, it says, for the one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption, but the one who sows from the spirit will reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. How do we reap? By doing good? No. We reap by something higher than that. We reap in due season. You can't control the season, but you can't control yourself and you can't stay in this season. And I'm here to declare to you that your season is just a season. Your season is not your story. Your season is not your story. It's just a season in Jesus' name. Here's why I believe. I I recently got married, and you can stand with me quietly as we close. 
and getting married, we've watched a whole lot of TV shows, something I'm not used to. In the evenings, watching a whole lot of Netflix and Hulu. But here's one thing I despise, is jumping into a show mid-season. I can't do it. I won't do it. I need to be at the beginning. I can't go mid-season. I got to feel the full effect, the tension, because every season plays a part. Man, and I was thinking as I was preparing this, if Roy, Pam, man, when they were a thing, Jim, he thought his time with Pam was over. But little did Jim know, it was just a season when Corey Matthews pretended to be sick and messed up his relationship with Topanga in junior high. Little did he know that it was just a season when Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, was nailed to that cross and was buried in that grave and his disciples and followers dispersed. Little did they know in their fear that it was just a season. Pain, sorrow, difficulty, it may endure for the night, but I'm here to declare to you, joy is coming with the morning. Your season is a season. It's not your story. So come on, church, would you lift your hands all across this place? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, would you bless this people and keep them? Would you smile on them and gift them? Would you look them full in the face and make them prosper in every season of this life in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Would you keep your eyes closed for concentration and privacy? If you're here today and you say, Preston, I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And if that's you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand straight up, put it right back down. Because we believe that faith is when we respond outwardly to what's happening inwardly. Here's the thing. You can tell the significance of something, not by its performance, but rather the price that was paid for it. And Jesus bought you with his precious blood, so you can't say you don't matter. This season is the beginning of your story. If that's you and you suppress it, I want to receive Jesus, and that's it. On the count of three, lift your hands straight up, right back down, and I just want to pray with you. One, God loves you so much. Two, you'll never be the same. The day of salvation is today. Three, put your hands straight up, put it right back down. Thank you. Who else? Come on. Who else? I want to be a follower of Jesus this day. And if you've lifted your hand, I want you along with the entire congregation of believers to pray these words with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. And I thank you that you bought me with your precious blood. And I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I am now a new creation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we celebrate those who made that decision today? Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.